This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh my goodness, we have so much to do. Next three and a half hours to do so. Of course, you can find me uh, on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer, on TikTok at Old Man Radio, but most importantly, right here on your radio until 6.30 tonight. And, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN, and we got a lot to run down. We are officially, I feel like when Isaiah Thomas welcomed Nick fans to the playoffs, I would like to welcome Nick fans to the offseason, an offseason filled with intrigue and question marks and, and possibilities. So we'll get into that at some point. we got some NFL stuff to do. But, look, I have to start with the baseball because uh, Yankees lost a heartbreaker last night. Oh, a real nail-biter, 15-5 up at uh, Fenway. Mets uh, beat the Cardinals. Daniel Vogelback back from his mental break and uh, hitting one to the moon. So I don't know if that's necessarily good news. If that means that you're now going to start playing Daniel Vogelback more, just when you think you're out, he pulls you back in. But with the Yankees, it's not quite crisis time for the Yankees. But when you watch the way that they have been playing and you look at that lineup on a regular basis, you know that crisis time is not so far off, mainly because Aaron Judge is not coming to save you. Over the last year, year plus now, the one thing the Yankees have had in their favor is that when things are bad and there's guys not performing, there's always Aaron Judge to cover up the messes to cover up the mistakes. He can fix a whole lot because he is the best hitter in the sport. And it's almost like it's suddenly dawning on people that the Yankee lineup stinks. They have, it's, it's a terrible lineup without Aaron Judge. Now, with Aaron Judge, it covers a lot, a lot of the, the flaws. But the Yankees just have numerous spots where there is no offense. And without the best hitter in the sport, you've seen in the games without Aaron Judge – they are at the bottom of the, of the sport in, in most major categories, if not at the bottom, pretty close to the bottom. And they just have positions where they don't get any offense. Catching. The Yankee catching position in terms of they, they don't treat it as an offensive position anymore. I remember growing up, the Yankees for a couple of years had a guy by the name of Joel Skinner who was an absolute non-entity as a, as a hitter. That's where that's the stage that they're at right now in terms of offense at catcher. So they don't okay, all right, I'm not gonna worry about offense at catcher. We got all the other spots. Yeah, the problem is they don't have that many other spots that can hit either. Shortstop is a non-entity. Third base, we we all know about that. And now with judge out, there's usually at least one outfield spot, a game that you're just not gonna get a whole lot of offense. I mean, look, the Yankee offense is so bad, people have convinced themselves Willie Calhoun is really good. That's, you know, that's how, that's, how, that's how tough things are going right now. So it is time for people not named Aaron Judge to actually perform. And look, there's not that many people that you can expect performance from these days. Because you run down the Yankee line, it's like that scene from Animal House where the Deltas find out their midterm grades. It's, it's, it's one thing after another. But the three main culprits who have got to respond here Otherwise, it's going to get to crisis time really fast. Anthony Rizzo, Glaber Torres, and Giancarlo Stanton. It's not, it's not hard to figure out. And the most glaring one is Stanton. Stanton, the Yankees put up with a lot for the brilliance of Giancarlo Stanton for those times where he gets hot and can carry a team and can wreck games single-handedly. He's not done a whole lot of that since coming back. He had the one home run against the Mets in the, in the first game of the Subway Series, and it was a big home run. 
But since he's come back outside of that, he has done Zippo and is coming off last season where I know he, he was okay. He, he had some impact in the playoffs, but in terms of the regular season, he was average at best, and they need him to get hot right now. Again, they put up with a lot for elite production, right? He's a DH primarily. They don't want to put him in the outfield. He gets hurt a lot. They got to rest him a lot. But this is the time they need him to step up because since Judge went down, Stanton is slugging like 200. And he is not alone, but he's the most glaring one. And when you made the move for Giancarlo Stanton and you took on the, the player and you took on the contract, you knew at some point in the course of that contract that 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 the player was going to, you were going to have him for his decline phase of his career. And you're hoping it was going to be, you know, closer to 35, 36, as opposed to 32, 33. But when you take a look at how much time he misses and, and how rare those stretches are becoming of him carrying the offense, it has to be alarming. But he's not the only one. Anthony Rizzo, what has happened to Anthony Rizzo? Since Judge has gone down, he has been, he, he's almost been as hard to find as Judge. I think he's hitting 067 with a, with a slugging of like 100. If he is not, it would almost make me feel better to know that he is hurt and he's fighting through something. Because if he's not hurt, wow, then, then what, what's the problem? How can he be this bad for this long? And then Glaber Torres has been absolutely lost. But you know Glaber runs hot and cold. So you live with the cold stretches to get some hot stretches. And, man, could the Yankees use a hot stretch out of Glaber Torres. They could use a hot stretch out of anybody right now. Now, the good news is that for that group, for, for most of the, the ones that I'm mentioning, they can't be this awful for much longer, right? Like Anthony Rizzo has to eventually snap out of this if he is not hurt. Giancarlo Stanton has to be better than this and has to at least be able to run into one every now and then. And then, of course, Glaber Torres, we, we've seen this before. When he's cold, man, he's really cold, but he will get hot, and the Yankee offense right now needs a hot stretch out of somebody. But the problem is, those are the three guys that you really can expect something from. Those are the guys that should be the ones that step up right now, and not only have they not stepped up, they've taken a major step back. But outside of that, I don't know who else you would really expect offense from because the other two most notable names – at this stage, can you really expect anything out of either of them? And those would be DJ LeMayhew and Josh Donaldson. DJ LeMayhew, since he has signed that contract, has not been the same player. First two years, he's getting MVP votes. And between injury and just ineffectiveness, he has just not been the same player. And it certainly seems like you're never going to get that player back that you had the first two years. And it certainly seems like that contract is going to go down as another mistake because you're not going to you were paying for elite production and you've not gotten it since he signed that contract and you'd have to think it's been so long now since he has played at that level that getting back to that level at any point seems like a pipe dream and then of course you have Josh Donaldson who has been awful in 2 years yeah he'll run into one every once in a while like he did last night but when he comes up to the plate are you expecting production is anybody expecting production so it's time for the people who are still playing the the guys on the Yankees in the in the Yankee lineup not named Aaron Judge to finally produce like they are expected to produce maybe have something that the Yankees don't have often and that is a little sense of urgency a little sense of hey we got to get things going right now 
because Aaron Judge is not coming back to save you. And right now, you have got to save yourself to make it so that when he does come back, there is something still left to play for. So it would be nice if some members of the Yankee lineup had a sense of urgency, and it would be nice also if the manager had a little sense of urgency. You know, Aaron Boone resting Stanton for last Sunday's game against the Red Sox when Judge is out, and you know that, and the offense is what it is, it's kind of hard to fathom a game that ends up being a one-run game. Or the decision to rest your top-flight relievers for the second game of the Subway Series, even though you have a day off the following day. And if you know going in, hey, you know what, I don't have my top-flight relievers today, Maybe I got to get a little bit more out of my ace and Garrett Cole. No, I'm going to pull him after six anyway and not use my relievers. So, yeah, the Yankees have a lot of stuff going on right now. And I've heard a lot of hosts talking about, well, you know, Yankee fans are always ticked off. They're never happy. Yankee fans are not being unreasonable. It's not unreasonable to expect better from a team that has the second highest payroll in the sport. It's not unreasonable to expect a lineup that is just not filled with automatic outs and the guys who are expected to do something to actually do something. Yankee fans have not moved the goalpost. It's the Yankees who have moved the goalpost, trying to, like, convince you, hey, just be happy. You make the playoffs every year. The Yankees have good seasons every single year. What are you worried about? Everything will be fine. I don't know. I, I feel like there should be a little sense of urgency, and it feels like there was a time in my lifetime where a, a, a team that is spending as much as the Yankees are spending would have that sense of urgency. It's happened lately. I don't know if it's right now, but it would be nice to see every once in a while. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls on the Yankees. We'll talk a little Mets after their win against the Cardinals yesterday. Good stuff. I have good news for Met fans. I got a little negative news for Met fans, so we'll get into that coming up. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN, New York. Mr. Blutowski. Zero point zero. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking about uh, the Yankees and uh, some of my concerns. Look, I, this is my chance to vent. You know, I, I, we, we do the show during the week and, and, you know, I get a chance to, to unleash some, but you know, I don't want to overwhelm Larry with my concerns at that point. I feel like I get enough out at the time, but this is my chance to really just unload. And after watching last night, and, and, and not just the fact that no. Domingo Herman was bad. No. You had to figure that Herman was, was due for a rough outing every once in a while. But just the mistakes, just the, the lack of any uh, cohesion, it seems like, uh, either offensively or defensively. So... Uh, and, and I know after listening to, to others say, well, look, the, the goal here right now is for the Yankees without Aaron Judge to, to just kind of keep their heads above water, wait for him to get back, and wait for the trade deadline where you'll have a little time to evaluate and see where you need to make improvements. I, I think it's pretty clear where you need to make improvements. It was clear last year where you needed to make improvements, and you didn't do it. But the idea of, well, don't worry, the trade deadline is right around the corner. Yeah, that would be a time to make improvements, but will the Yankees actually admit they need to make improvements? And here's another one. Is it 
Is it possible that Brian Cashman does a better job at this year's trade deadline than he did at last year's trade deadline? You know, for all the talk about how awful of, of a trade deadline Billy Epel had last year, and he did, that, that, let's not get it twisted, he absolutely did, he was working under the parameters of he couldn't trade any prospects away. They, the Mets wanted to hold on to their prospects, so all the big names that kept getting mentioned as possible targets for the Mets, J.D. Martinez and all these guys, they, they weren't ever going to be in the market for those guys because they weren't willing to give up anything to get anything. And that's why you ended up kind of with the, 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 the acquisitions of, of Darren Ruff and, and Daniel Vogelback. So, yeah, that was Billy Epler did not do a good job. But it kind of is, is lost in the fact that Brian Cashman didn't do a good job. And he did a bunch of stuff. And none of it really helped. Harrison Bader was good. By the time when he finally got back and in the playoffs, he was good. But that was not the only move the Yankees made, and it was not the only move the Yankees could have made. You know, the Mets and Epler were really hamstrung by the fact that they did not want to, I guess the ownership didn't want to give up the top prospects. And looking at how Alvarez is playing right now, maybe Beatty is playing right now, maybe that was the right call. But the Yankees did give up stuff, and, and it wasn't like they got a whole bunch back. And they did have other options. There were big names last year available at the trade deadline. And the Yankees just decided, no, we, we know better. So, no, we don't need to go get Luis Castillo and play the, pay the full price of that. We can get Frankie Montas. We can get, you know, uh, Andrew Benatendi. You know, didn't really work out so well. So, yeah, the offense is clearly the area of, uh, of need. And, and let's hope that this time maybe they do a better job of evaluating what's actually out there and do a better job of actually trading for things that might actually help for change. Because, the la- you know, you can take a look at really the last two trade deadlines. Two years ago, that was the one where they got Rizzo and Gallo. Rizzo, everybody at the time, man, great move, master stroke. Everybody recognized it right away. Perfect fit for what you were looking for. Not just a good, productive hitter at a spot where you needed help at first base, but a left-handed bat kind of balances the lineup. Perfect. Gallo, we... we, we Realize that at the time, yeah, that that one, that's that's just more of what you already had, and that was a complete flop. So um, let's hope that this year's trade deadline is a little better if the Yankees can get to that still in halfway decent shape. And then uh, the other story that came up this week in terms of the Yankees before we go to the phones at 1-800-919-ESPN was uh, that, I guess it's not really a story, but the fact that the Yankees have no plans to demote uh, Anthony Volpe, despite his struggles, despite the fact that, uh, you know, they're looking for offense someplace, shortstop, they've not gotten really any uh, production out of Anthony Volpe. He's, he's stolen some bases. He's, he's had some moments at times, but overall, it's been a very disappointing offensive year for what was the crown jewel of the Yankees organization. And I, I guess that it, that's a surprise. I, I don't think it could be a, really a surprise to anybody that the Yankees would uh, have no plans to demote Volpe because you would you probably wouldn't float that out there at this point anyway. And as I brought up during the week, the Yankees have follow a policy of often wrong but never in doubt. The Yankees never admit mistakes. I mean, take a look at how long it takes the Yankees to admit. And it's not even that they admit mistakes. It's just they move off of whatever position they had before. Like I mentioned before, oh, well, we don't really need to have balance in the lineup we just need to have good hitters. So we don't really need lefty bats. We just need to have really good hitters. And then when that doesn't work, oh, yeah, well, let's throw in a little, couple of lefty hitters there. Or the, just individual plays. Look how long it took for them to finally 
admit their mistake with Hicks or Gallo or still with Donaldson or IKF. And again, last tr- uh, when the, the trade deadline came up last year, I remember screaming and yelling with people, oh, you can't, you can't trade Volpe. He's going to be, well, I get it. He, he might very well turn out to be a great player down the road, but this is a Yankee team right now, again, sense of urgency, that seems like that they are smack dab in the window of opportunity to win big, and that, that opportunity might not always be there. You know, the Yankees are getting older. They have a lot of contracts now that they are locked into that will eventually kind of be on the downside. So to think that you could not tra- trade your most prized prospect for legitimate difference makers then, it was a mistake then, and, and it's, it certainly has, has turned out to be the case now. Uh, it, it, and that's not hindsight. That's not looking and saying, oh, you know, th- this happened now and we maybe should have back then said, no, you didn't say it then. I did say this then. This was very much uh, uh, floated at the time, but they went a different way. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to uh, Brian is in West Palm Beach. Brian, first up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hi, Gordon. Listen, I've been a Yankee fan a long time. In college and high school, I played second base. I think Labor Torres needs to move to be moved on. I know he's a decent hitter. He's streaky, but he's not a good defensive, and his his IQ is low. And I I think that it's time with the age to maybe move on with Stanton and Donaldson. I know a lot of Yankee fans would freak out, but I think maybe you could make a move and trade Stanton to the Dodgers or the Angels. He wants to go to the West Coast and maybe trade Gleyber Torres to the White Sox for someone like uh, a Giolito. I just wanted to know with you. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, look, I, know- Brian, I don't think, and Brian, thanks for the phone call. Uh, the the idea of, of trading Glaber has come up before. It was mentioned at, at times during last year's trade deadline. Uh, I don't know that it would necessarily shock you if they did decide to move off Glaber. They're not going to pay him when his contract is up, I don't think. Uh, the problem is, I, I don't know how much Glaber would actually bring you back, and 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 you'd still have to replace. You can't. Uh, the Yankees are not in a position to trade offense for anything else. They need uh, they need offense. They they need to add to the offense. They don't need to be subtracting from the offense. Now there's there's plenty of positions where they could just simply again get somebody who is league average, and it would be a giant leap up in production. <laughs> Like I mentioned, Willie Calhoun. Willie Calhoun is having like an average season. I think his OPS plus is like like uh, ninety seven or ninety eight, something that's like kind of like league average. But it looks so much better based on some of the other bats in the order. But no, the Yankees aren't going to be able to to move off Stanton um, Donaldson. They're not going to admit that mistake. So, but his contract is up at the end of the season. Um, but they do have to add. Uh, so I I don't know what what prospects they will be willing to move, or what position they're really going to be in when the trade deadline comes along. We'll see. I mean, it's not just what they want to add. It's what's going to be available. And with as many teams now, as it's, you know, there's, you take a look at the wild card race in the American League, and especially in the National League, everybody's kind of in it. In the National League, it's almost impossible to play yourself out of wild card. Take a look at the Mets. This is the best news that the Mets have going for themselves. Look at how poorly the Mets have played over the last, what, month? Well, really, the whole season, but specifically, like, the last month. Like, they just lost. They just went through a stretch where they lost 9 of 10, 
and I think in their previous 20 games, they're like 7-13 and 13 or 6-14 and 14 or something like that. And even with 95 games, they're four games out of a wild card. And, and two of the teams that are in the wild card race are the Marlins and the Giants. So that's great news for the Mets. The fact that it's a wide open field, they just have to, they have to figure out a way to, to start playing good baseball. That's the main thing. But it's not an insurmountable deficit that they find them. They're not in an impossible hole to climb out of. They just have to start playing well. But that is going to impact what teams are looking to move at the trade deadline and what teams are going to be buyers and what teams are going to be sellers. I would think there's going to be a lot of teams that are buyers and not too many teams that are sellers. Let's go out to uh, Eli in Washingtonville. Eli, my good friend. What's going on, pal? Hey, Gordon. Listen, I, I believe I told you this in the beginning of the season, uh-huh. that Volpe is, is the Yankees' version of R.J. Barrett. It, you know, the, the Yankees are... They have a habit of overhyping their prospects. That's they do, problem. yeah. Well, I think every team and, does and, that. No, I think every like te- doesn't Yan- every team kind of overhype their prospects? No, but not like the Yankees. Mm. The, the Yankees, they overhype their prospects, and, and their, their prospects start playing, and then everybody sees that it's kind of fool's gold. Like, they don't have a, a Franco or, or a, a, a from, from Tampa Bay or, or a guy like Pena – where, you know, the hype is real. Like, this guy Volpe Peraza right now in, in, in the minors is doing better than him. Like, come on. Like, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm tired of this Cashman uh, uh, regime already. And, and it's not going to end. And I'm telling you, and I've told you and Larry plenty of times, the Yankees keep on giving us gibberish, and, 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 and they, they think they're the smartest guys in the room, and they're not. And we're not going to see a championship with, with Brian Cashman in the helm. I'm telling you. Well, look, I, Eli, uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, we have battled many times. Uh, I think I, I look at Brian Cashman fairly. When he does a good job, I say so. When he's done a poor job, I say so. Eli is the, the broken clock. He is, he's right twice a day. And, and look, over the last year and a half, he's been right a lot. Because Brian Cashman, over the last year and a half, has done a bad job. By every metric and measure, there's no way that you could say otherwise. Uh, and Anthony Volpe, look, I'm not going to say he's a bust yet. He's 22 years old. He's playing in his first major league season. And the Yankees should not have put themselves in the position where they are expecting production out of Anthony Volpe. When you're a team that is expected to compete for a championship and you're playing a 22-year-old rookie, you should not be looking to the 22-year-old rookie to lead the way. Anything the 22-year-old rookie gives you should kind of be a bonus because you have the second highest payroll in the sport. You should be able to kind of cover for him and allow him to kind of get his feet wet over the course of the season. Unfortunately, the Yankees are completely dependent offensively on Aaron Judge to fix all of their problems. So when you look around and Judge is not there, and now you start, all right, how are we going to be able to get some offense here? Yeah, you're going to look at the shortstop who's got an OPS plus of 75, and think to yourself, well, man, you know, if we could just simply get some product, just league average production. Again, league average production out of shortstop, league average production out of catcher, league average production out of one of the outfield spots, or league average production out of out of third base. How much better the the offense would be in. But unfortunately, they don't have that. And a lot of that is that based on how Brian Cashman has locked the Yankees into certain contracts every year, 
why, why are they why are they picking up these guys uh, that aren't really like major league players? Well, that that's why because they're kind of right up against what the luxury tax threshold is, and they don't have that much room to operate. The Yankees had room to operate this year, knowing that the offense was the issue, and they decided to go out and sign Carlos Rodon, who, when healthy, is a big time pitcher but is not healthy very often and has not been healthy for the Yankees so far this year. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. More of your phone calls coming up. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I said I had some good news for Met fans. I had some bad news. I kind of gave away the the good news um, that – in the National League this year, you take a look at the wild card standings, you have 95 games to make up four games. You've just undergone the worst stretch of baseball that not only have you played this year, that you've played in years. I mean, you lost 9 of 10, 7 of 13 in their last 20. So the good news is, you even, even playing that poorly, the Mets are still within striking distance of a wild card. And you would assume that nobody plays that poorly for, for the entire season. So the Mets are not going to play that poorly for the entire season. And look, you beat the Cardinals last night, which is significant because if the Mets have proven one thing this year, they can lose to anyone. They lost two or three to the Rockies. They got swept by the Tigers. So good news. You can't play despite how you have played. You are still very much in the wild card race. The bad news, two things. A, the 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 home run by Vogelback last night is a negative because now they're just going to see he's snapping out of it. No, that, that that's not snapping out of it. He should not be playing on a regular basis uh, just because he had one home run into the and it was an absolute bomb. But at this stage of, of Daniel Vogelback's career, he's he, on a good team. He should be a bench piece. He's, he should not be an everyday starter. You should I've learned that by now. But the main thing about the Mets and it's the thing that everybody says you need the stars to act like it. You need Verlander and Scherzer and Francisco Lindor to act like Verlander, Scherzer, and Francisco Lindor. And it's funny. Verlander and Scherzer are the biggest obstacle to overcome because if they don't pitch well, you can't replace them, right? You're not going to go and find an ace like a Verlander or a Scherzer. And if those guys are healthy, they're going to be starting every fifth day. And if they're pitching like they have so far this year – it's going to be impossible to overcome. You need not just one of those guys to pitch like an ace. You need both of those guys to pitch like how you're paying them to pitch. But it's almost like Lindor kind of floats under the radar in terms of the disappointments. He's been as big a disappointment as those other two. And those other two have been hurt. He's been there the whole time. And he's having the worst offensive year of his career. And you kind of take a look at his his numbers the first five years of his career and the last four years of his career, they are night and day. So you need him. You are paying him a lot of money for a very long time, and he needs to pick it up. And as almost as much, maybe not as much, but almost as much as Verlander and Scherzer, at least with Lindor, when he's playing, he is an excellent defensive shortstop, but that's not why you're paying him $34 million. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to uh, Danny is on Long Island. Danny, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. It's funny. Uh, last night, we, uh, me and my, uh, my 19-year-old son came down to watch the game. He said, you want to watch the college game? And because anytime your 19-year-old son wants to do anything with you, you say, yeah. He could have said, like, you know, you want to watch Jeopardy? I would have I been all in. So we were rotating uh, to college, the Mets, and the Yankees. 
And I went to the bathroom. He came, he came rushing down the stairs. Vogel back here to home. I said, no, you're kidding me, right? This is You're pranking me. It can't possibly be. But, man, man, what a bomb. But you're 100% right. This is going to be the tee shot. We're going to have to deal with him now for three more weeks looking bad. You know, you know the reason I called him because you're talking about the Yankees. This is the easiest schedule the Yankees have had in 20 years because – the AL East has always spent a lot of money to keep up with the Yankees. Well, now Major League Baseball has removed 20 division rival games, and they're getting three games against random teams. So, you know, the Kansas Cities, the Flim Flam, the D- Detroit, extra games with teams. So now that's why you have teams in the American League East all with good records because they're losing five games against the Yankees, and they're adding five, you know, they're adding games against possibly mediocre talent. So what's going to happen eventually, I think that. You could see a division like the AL East where these teams are all spending money and competitive, sending two, maybe three wildcard teams because they're playing a balanced schedule now. So that, And that's the reverse effect for the, the, the American League Centrals of the world where you have four teams playing with minimum payrolls. Well, now you're, gonna, you're, you're, not, you're losing 20 games against minimum payrolls and you're adding 20 games against the Yankees and, and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and all these other teams. So... This is an unusual situation because baseball. So you can see the Yankees making the playoffs now forever because they're playing games against teams with inferior payrolls, more than they ever have before. It's really, you know, and I'm sure George Steinbrenner is happy and Hank is. They could really trim the payroll $100 million because they're going up against teams that are only spending 70 They don't need $300 million. It goes to the Mets. Yeah, well, look, Dan, I agree with you. And and look, if you're going to have this many wild card teams, I think you kind of have to have it so that it's it's more balanced across the board, right? You can't have all the American League East teams beating up on themselves as much as they they have, you know, when they were playing each other 19 times and all that type of stuff. So yeah, you have to have more balance between the the three divisions. I don't think the Yankees are going to reduce payroll. They're still spending uh, a ton of money. And it would kind of be almost impossible. I mean, they're spending all this money, and they're they're barely holding on to a wild card spot right now. Right now, entering uh, play today, they are essentially three teams are, are are tied for the final two wild cards: the Astros, the Yankees, and the Angels. So, uh, no, they can't they can't afford to be uh, reducing payroll. They gotta they gotta they gotta pick things up. Uh, Mike is in New Jersey. Mike, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. How you doing? Hey, Mike. What's going on, pal? Well, um, basically, I'm just about the Yankees. I, I have complaints about that. Yes, they spend top heavily, you know? But when it comes to, like, the old times where they had the Tim Raines and the Ruben Sierras and the Cecil Fielders and the Strawberries on the bench, you know, they don't do that anymore. Now they have the – it's all scrappy. It's all scrappy players, players that other teams release and stuff like that. I mean, at the, yeah, I know their payroll's high, but because they got the $40 million and the $38 million, you know, for the Cole and the Judge. They need to, to go out and spend money on players that can back up other players, too. You know, not just grab them off of other teams' reserves, you know? Well, look, Mike, and thanks for the phone call. Um, you're right. I mean, they spend a lot of – they are top-heavy with Cole and Stanton and, and even, you know, Judge, obviously, and Rizzo. Uh, but they're not spending the money. Why, you know, spending what they're spending on Donaldson has not paid off. Uh, while I was, and I think most Yankee fans were in favor of signing DJ LeMayu to the contract he got, it's not turned out well. Same thing with Luis Severino. It's not turned out well. Um, so the the reason why that they're picking up those scrappy players is because they're not spending the money effectively anyway, and they're locked into so many of these these long term deals that they have to find 
you know, the Willie Calhouns or uh, in years past, the Rugnit Odors, those kind of players, because they don't have that much room to operate. They're not generally, it's certainly not an unlimited payroll. Now, they did make one big acquisition this offseason, but that's the first one they've done in a while in terms of players from other teams in, in adding Rodon, and, and that one's not worked out so far. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, my man? Gordon, to that caller's point about the AL East, the totality of games went won and lost in the AL East, 207-146, which averages out to a 91-71 and 71 record. So the average team in the American League East will finish 91-71, and 71, about a 590 percentage. They're 30 games better than any of the other five divisions. Are playing at a record play. The only record, the only division that ever played higher than this was the New York Giants division with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys last year. I think they totaled, I think, 600, 610 percentage. It's ironic that. And I'm sure that was a record. No division ever finished as well, as good as that division finished. Uh, you know, I just want to say something about their John Morant. Adam Silver comes out and says he's the face of the league. Basketball is a team game. You're judged on winning. This kid hasn't won anything. He's a great talent. But guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, Giannis, Jokic, Jamal Murray, these are winners. If you haven't won, I don't see how you're the face of the league. Now, he's a great talent, but, you know, in the old days, Jesus, I remember Maravich coming into the league. And, man, his first seven years, he couldn't even get off the bench on the Atlanta Hawks. Because it doesn't matter how talented, how much you score, basketball always will be a team game. And usually the best players on that team win championships. But as you saw this year, they weren't the total best players in basketball, but they played the best at Denver Nuggets, and that was was great to see. Uh, as, as far as the New York Giants, I just wanted to make mention uh, – one of the great Giants passed away this week, Homer Jones. I'm sure you heard of him. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Supposedly he was the first guy to spike Spike this ball in the end zone or maybe did the first end zone dance, whatever. Let me tell you about this guy. This guy, to the younger fans, he was the Yankees, the Giants equivalent of a Mel Stottlemyre or a Bobby Mercer. He was the first star, offensive star, wide receiver. And I would say he was the first black offensive star wide receiver on the New York Giants. The Giants were always known as a defensive team, and guys like Rosie Greer and Emlyn Tennell, the black guys, they were defensive players. He was, the, and he came from a predominantly black uh, school, uh, college. He was wonderful. Oh, I'll never forget, he had number 45. Him and Talkington used to hook up. And, you know, it brings back memories, too, if I, if I can further just go, Gordon. He brought back memories of Bob Hayes. Bob Hayes, you heard of the first yep. speed Hold demon played on. Sure. You never hear much. This guy, this guy was the forerunner of all the speed pass receivers. Back in the old days, you know, wide receivers were possession guys. Guys like Frank Gifford and Del Schaffner and those guys. I mean, they were quick and all, but they weren't burners. Bob Hayes, when he went to the Dallas Cowboys, he changed defenses. And Homer Jones to an extent. Now, he, Homer Jones didn't have the team that Bob Hayes had. But, Ben, he brought back a lot of memories. He was a great giant. And I'll tell you, he was a forerunner, boy. That guy was, uh, you know, the first wide receiving star on the Giants. 
teams had to, you know, really, you know, play against him and him and Ron Johnson at the running back. Man, they were they were true giants, and those were great times. Even though the Giants weren't a good team back then, they were fun to watch because they were offensively inclined. Gordon, always a pleasure. Right, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for the longest time, and it's it's more recently, the Giants have not really been centered around wide receivers. So whenever you would hear stats, that's the, that's the way I would know Homer Jones when a giant wide receiver would do something. A lot of times it would be passing the record uh, of Homer Jones. And just to get back to the original point that Richard was making about seven and a half minutes ago, um, the face of the NBA, not only is John Morant not the face of the NBA right now, maybe he will be someday. Maybe you can put him in the category of, of, of up and coming players that might be, until LeBron retires, LeBron is the face of the NBA. Let's, uh, you know, don't get it twisted. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more of your phone calls. We'll get into some Nick stuff as well because lots of possibilities. Spin the wheel of possibilities when it comes to the New York Knicks. Unfortunately, the wheel is the same wheel we've been using for the last couple of years. So we'll get into that next. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose, what's going on, buddy? Good evening, GD. And shout out to the company and, you know, the old school listeners. I, I just heard Richard on, and he, he, he definitely had a good couple of phone calls that had me cracking up earlier and, you know, right now. Um, further, I wanted to talk about the Yankees, and I thank you so much because, you know, there's not a lot of, um, besides you, Alan Hahn, and, you know, so, and whenever we do get to listen to Ty, there's not really a lot of Yankee fans that, you know, you know, actually, you know, we shift the narrative and the focus. And I thank you guys because, you know, you're not, you know, telling us how to feel. You, you you tell us that we've been quite consistent. The mission statement is the mission statement. We're not the ones moving the goalposts. It is the organization itself. And I I, I really don't know because, uh, you know, I want to believe like, you know, me and Joe Leo have had plenty of conversations. I want to believe that we can make that deadline deal. I'm just not seeing it. I just don't I, – I, I, I'm starting to have that low face right now, and the and that's kind of why I've been so resistant on normalizing the losing because now I feel like when, once I've reached a, 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 a place of acceptance that this is the team, um, it, it's going to be really sad. And so that, that, that was my Yankee point. And my Nick point real quick because I know you might transition later because with, with all the trade stuff, can we get someone without, like, all these red flags? Like, like, I don't really think a superstar, like, like, cause when we when we got Carmelo Anthony, we knew all the stuff about the ball stopping and all the and the flaws that he had, but it was no question, no doubt, this guy was at least a top ten superstar, if not top five, you know, offensive scorer in the game. So I'm just like, why can't we like what 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 is like like what is it just attach what is it just attaching every single name gets new like 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 um uh, um get to New York is it just for clicks? Well, look, you know, Jose, and thanks for the phone call. Uh, the off season has just begun. The Knicks are very uh, tight lipped. It seems like about what their where their interest lies and and what their targets actually are. 
And I, I brought this up before. We'll get into it uh, in the next hour about that this offseason is the trickiest one to kind of figure out with the Knicks because there's not, there's not an obvious move. You know, the first year it was about finding the coach, and they did that. The second year it was about trying to add talent. They tried to do that, and that was an absolute failure with uh, Fournier and Kemba Walker. And then last offseason, it was pretty clear-cut even before we got to the offseason that the target was going to be what the target was going to be. So um, it, it was not uh, all, the, you know, Jalen Brunson and the connections between Leon Rose and the Knicks and all that type of stuff, the fact that he was going to be available, um, that was not really that hard to, uh, to figure out. This year, it is kind of harder to figure out because there's not that clear-cut target. And it, figuring out what direction to go is a little bit more difficult. So when we get the offseason just began, we, we need to get into it a little bit and then it'll it'll become clear what direction the Knicks are going to go in. And the first question you have to answer is not even about what the target is, is what is the motivation for the Knicks? Do they look at this past off the, this past season and the success that they had as a reason for why they need to go all in or or closer to go all in on somebody? Or does that does that allow them, does that buy them time to say, you know, we don't have to go all in right now. We've had success. We can, we can sit this a little bit closer to the vets and, and not be so aggressive in, in trying to add to the team because we bought ourselves more time. If the Knicks had, if this past year looked like a year ago where they didn't make the playoffs, didn't make the play in, there would be far more pressure. To whoever's, who's available, let's get him. And they'd have to jump him with both feet. The fact that they had that success and they made the great move to bring in Brunson, that buys them a little bit more time. But is that going to be their approach? Don't know yet. Have to wait and see. And I think it would kind of depend on who is actually available. But right now, it just seems like a recycling of all the greatest hits of all, <laughs> of all the guys that the Knicks have been, uh, had linked to them in the past. So we'll get into that coming up. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. One hour down, two more to go. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.